because a lot of people haven't seen skincare and alcohol collaborating before, right? Where you think, hey, I need to, like I said earlier, you know, drink the green juice, not the tequila. And our launch we actually did with Patron and we've done a couple event series with Kendall Jenner's 818 tequila. And it's been fun because we're really having this celebration of people and saying, hey, we have fun going out and meeting people and having parties. Let's just really make that a center part of the brand. And, and the events aren't even about skincare per se. They're just having a good time. In today's episode, I have Jade and Sabrina, founders of 4AM Skin, the only skincare line that collabs with alcohol brands and allows you to live your best life guilt-free. Building Billions podcast, where we cover the risks and rewards of success. Welcome to Building Billions. I have Jade and Sabrina here. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you for being here. So 4AM Skin, let's talk about it. Let's go into your founder journey. How is it being on the other end and being founders now? Is that a weird realization? Yeah, I think it's something that you definitely... Like, it's funny because we, I feel like we've tried to find dates of when 4am actually started. And it's actually quite difficult because I think building a business, a lot of people think of it as, okay, here's the start date. And this is when we kind of ran at it, et cetera. And like, okay, we've been live for six months and whatnot. Um, But we've been live. uh, We start, we launched for sale July of 2021, but it's been much longer than that, that it was kind of a different idea kernel in your head, et cetera. So, and I don't even think um, when we launched for sale, even though like the world could see the product, et cetera, it almost still didn't feel that way, um, especially because we weren't full-time on the business. I had a full-time job. Sabrina was in medical school. Um, and I, But I, I also think there's always some bit of imposter syndrome up until like any point. Um, of feeling, oh, is this a real thing? There's so many different things happen. And you kind of realize it also makes you a lot of perspective on every kind of tons of other businesses that, okay, they actually didn't, not everyone had it figured out from the start. Um, And I think you kind of need to realize that when it comes to kind of getting over imposter syndrome um, to some extent. How did you feel in that moment? Like with imposter syndrome, I think every entrepreneur will tell you that no matter what stage you're at, you might be going for capital with like your second round and you still feel like an imposter the entire time. There is no, there is no moment where you don't feel like one. Um, It's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's funny because when we were first launching 4AM, it really dawned on me that, Hey, you know, this is a problem that Jade and I both have. And, And what it really was, was a conversation that Jade wanted to get into skincare and wanted to get into luxury skincare. And I knew a lot about luxury skincare and about how to heal skin because I had been studying dermatology for a while and doing derm research and kind of came together from two different angles of we want an easier routine. We want skincare to feel more accessible and easier, but still feel luxury. Can we make a brand that kind of does that? Um, And at the beginning, when we were thinking about, you know, raising money for it and how we're going to build it, I would tell myself every day, if not us, who, you know, we're the ones really living this problem. We know exactly what our demographic, which we live in wants and wants to see. 
and really just feeling that authenticity to it and to the brand, I think is what's made 4AM successful. But what's also kept me especially sane of being like, okay, if it's not me, you know, who's going to do it? And it's, that's really the motivating factor behind it is we have the knowledge, we know what the people want and really just trying to drive forward, continuing to tell yourself that every day helps a little bit of quelling that anxiety of the imposter syndrome that you were talking about and every day kind of having that talk with yourself in the mirror of I got this like I know what I'm doing I know what people want and I'm educated enough to do it and um, really just trying to ride that wave every time how did you both meet and decide to do this together yeah so we both met um actually when we were in college at Georgetown in DC um, the idea for 4am actually probably came out, we were actually two years apart. Um, and I had graduated college, um, and I was actually working in finance on Wall Street, um, as a derivatives trader. So um, very different from anything that I do now. Um, but was working pretty crazy hours. I even think I actually was talking to one of my friends earlier today and we were talking about how like the world has changed with work from home. I can't imagine that I was getting into the, I had to be into the office by 7am every morning, which just seems unheard of and cruel nowadays. Um, but pretty much was ha always had this work hard, play hard mentality, but living in New York, especially in New York, I will, I'm always with someone who, okay, I, I don't, I will, I want to do, be doing everything, but could totally see how that was affecting my skin. Um, so I, so I went to Sabrina, who always was a skincare junkie, was always talking about skincare, etc., and went to her and said, "Okay, I'm ready to invest in skincare. I, I had extra income from my job for the first time. I wasn't just like living off my parents like I was in college. Um, so." what what should I be using? And she came back to me with this, I'm sure, amazing routine of tons of like Korean skincare and like tons of different essences, toners, etc. And it was a ton of different products. It was a lot. Um, and it was just realizing that, okay, I feel like skincare feels like this one, or it is this one area where... Um, when you want to invest in luxury, it, it, sometimes they make it even more difficult for you, whereas it's not just packaged easily. And I'll let Sabrina go on. I think the I think what it is, which is really funny, and when we, we kind of dawned on this idea of, hey, you know, when you're getting luxury in skincare or in wellness, you're asking a consumer to actually do more, to do more heavy lifting for that. When you think of luxury in any other parts of life, we would always compare it to like furniture. You know, Ikea furniture, the reason why it's cheaper is because you're asking the consumer to put it together yourself. But when you're paying for luxury, you're going to get that white glove service delivered to you into your apartment. And why wasn't that the same in skincare? Why were we asking a consumer to do more research? Why did they have to play chemist in the bathroom and figure out all the different things that they wanted for their skin? And either it felt that you were getting kind of drugstore formulations or you had to go to a dermatologist for it. There wasn't really this in-between that felt easy and that was luxury, right? And it was either you're getting the two-in-one head and shoulders or, you know, having to do it all yourself. Um, and so what really it was at the beginning was Jade asked, hey, I want this 12-step skincare routine in one bottle. Is that possible? Can we do that? And I went to some of my derm mentors and people in the space and said, is it possible to put all these active ingredients together, you know, into one bottle? 
Um, and we realized it was. And then out of that grew the brand of this I- whole idea of what is 4am and what is the whole ethos of what we want to build for this brand and it was something that really celebrated living busy and what we kind of call normal lives and having fun and not shaming you for wanting these easier solutions because it really felt that almost taking care of yourself and, and being good in wellness was you having to do so much and drinking the green juice and going to the Pilates and doing all of it and we wanted to create a brand that felt like you can be a little messy. I fall asleep in my makeup a lot, which is bad, but I do. And it's realistic. And I go out with my friends. My form of self-care is drinking alcohol on a Friday and dancing in a club and having fun. And that's okay. We shouldn't be shamed for those things that we enjoy to do, especially when it comes to wellness and taking care of yourself. And so really when we were thinking about the branding of what it means to be a part of the 4AM community, we wanted something that was just super celebratory of maybe the guilty pleasures of life and having really a lot of fun with you and then just creating skincare that fits within that life and fits within your life without you having to do that, you know, heavy lifting or changing your lifestyle. One of our big key tenants is no sacrifices, just skincare. You know, you don't need to sacrifice your lifestyle. We'll just provide low maintenance care for your high maintenance skin. It's wonderful because right now I find that the demographic in the world, it requires you to have good skin. Like you, you're hopping on cameras, you're everywhere. Every type of employment structure requires you to be in front of a screen. And you also are required to be out and about, living your best life. Not required, but you should live your best life at this stage of your life um, and have fun. And it's beautiful that you guys are celebrating having fun and a no sacrifice lifestyle. I think people are tired of faking it with tons of products, tons of routines that they can't even keep up with themselves. Um, And so you have a beautiful market segment. Were there any moments where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing? What is this? How am I going to continue? I definitely I we ran into a bunch of those, those times, I'd say I think one of our biggest things was we had a bottle design that we really wanted to create for the brand that we had worked with a graphic designer for it but it wasn't actually engineeringly possible to make it without making like a two hundred thousand dollar custom mold and we then became you know glass and plastics experts at that point of every single way we could make this bottle and i think at first we thought, oh, well, this is such a key component to our branding and we want it to look great on a vanity because it's, it is the two bottles, the rise and the rest serum. So we really wanted to still feel like you were doing something for yourself and had this beautiful thing on your vanity. And eventually it was fine. We ended up getting stock packaging that we've designed beautifully on top of it. But I think that was one of the first moments, at least in the brand, that we were like, okay, we have to sacrifice some part of it. And is that going to then completely ruin the entire vibe around the brand that we've created and we've realized that there are ways to kind of get around that and as we as best we could and still have a beautiful brand that stands for something but that was one of I think our first times that I was like oh no are we you know kind of skimping on this or is this gonna not look as good and I actually love our bottles more now which is funny but that was definitely one of the things I don't know Jade if you have a thought yeah I think it's also interesting of always trying to I think even for us our whole idea is to have minimalist skincare and I think there's a lot of pressure to constantly be coming out with brand new products etc etc um and it can look and even when you look across different brands sometimes I think 
oh, we should have been launching more things, etc. Because it is such an it's it's a great way to grow a business quickly. It's just by launching a ton of different SKUs. Um, but something that we've thought a lot about is just trying to be as intentional as possible. Our serums, uh, we launched with our Rise and Rest serums, which sell together as the routine. Um, and that's 90% of our sales still to this day. Um, and so I think looking, tr- it's really great to look at other brands for inspiration, et cetera, because there are so many cool brands doing interesting things, not just in skincare, but in beauty and food and in so many different areas, but trying to, I I also think a core tenet of what we try to do, and we're not a hundred percent perfect at it, but is to really understand what is our brand DNA and not be constantly like looking over our shoulders of, Oh, they did that. That's cool. Maybe we should do that. Um, which is something that we, I think is, is the struggle, but also something that's really important to the brand. It's so easy to get distracted, especially. Yeah. I think too, because we're talking to a very different segment of consumers and skincare that may not have been spoken to before by a lot of other brands. So it is hard because you can't really look around and say, Hey, is there a playbook for this? We are really speaking to consumers in a new way that hasn't really been seen in skincare before, which is this radical authenticity of accepting all of these quote unquote bad habits that have been deemed by the wellness industry that we should all throw out. And so it's, it's funny that we've been actually compared a lot to like liquid death of skincare and it's trying to even say, you know, we're, we're totally rebranding the idea of what it means to be well and shifting that narrative in such a different way. So when we do look around at skincare brands and things like that, it's like, okay, well, we can't even make this content because this doesn't even feel native to us. Right. And so figuring out from scratch, really, how is it that we talk to consumers, um, you know, that are living this lifestyle or in this demographic? Um, it's really, it's new for the space. Talk me through how, you guys decided to choose certain marketing attempts or what you decided in terms of how to grow your brand? The thing that we've done really well is throw events and build a community in real life. And how we've done that is we've partnered with a lot of alcohol brands to throw parties around New York, which has been really fun. And I think for us, it's been able to create this virality around the brand and these really buzzy moments because a lot of people haven't seen skincare and alcohol collaborating before, right? Where you think, hey, I need to, like I said earlier, you know, drink the green juice, not the tequila. And our launch we actually did with Patron and we've done a couple event series with Kendall Jenner's 818 tequila. And it's been fun because we're really having this celebration of people and saying, hey, we have fun going out and meeting people and having parties. Let's just really make that a center part of the brand and and the events aren't even about skincare per se they're just having a good time with our community that we've built together and i i feel like that's what's been a great success for the brand because it doesn't feel like we're just pushing the product so much on people over and over again but that we're being authentic to the lifestyle that we all live and that we're trying to promote which is fun and bringing those people together in the community in real life, I think was, has been important too, because so many people and so many brands talk about their community as just their kind of social media community, but being able to activate those people in real life and meet people. And I remember the fourth event we threw, I saw the same person come back, you know, every single time. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is so amazing. Like we're actually seeing people come and center around our message and meet each other and, you know, have fun with like-minded people. So that's been my favorite 
kind of marketing activation that we've done for the brand and hopefully continue to to grow that, especially in other cities as well across America. Yeah, I think too, um, TikTok has been great for us as well. We've seen a lot of people find out about us on TikTok. And I think what's so funny about that is actually when we first started the brand, um, we, we thought we weren't going to do TikTok at all. We thought it was a little too young of a demo or that things that are well-researched or luxury, people wouldn't be buying on TikTok, et cetera. Um, and then we actually, are very, one of our very first TikToks was before we actually launched. Um, it was talking about kind of, if this is your aesthetic, like this is the brand for you and we want to... Um, it was actually funny because it was right before our very first event. And then before our very first event, we realized we didn't have anyone to invite. Um, <laughs> so we had like, we were, we said, okay, shoot. So we're supposed to have like influencers come to these things, but how do we get them to come? Or we had the PR box with Patron, which was t- uh, together with the party. Um, and we thought, okay, well, we got Patron to do seating for 200 of these boxes, but now who do we send them to? Um, and so that TikTok was kind of, if this is your aesthetic, like we want to party with you, et cetera. Um, and so that blew up. And I remember I was actually working at my old job at the time and I was working on some project and I kept saying, okay, I'm going to, this is good. I'll get it done in like half an hour. And my boss came to me and was like, okay, like, is it done? I'm like, and this was like at six 30 or seven o'clock at night. And, and I was like, oh no, like it's not done yet. Sorry, like still working on it. And then like an hour after I had said it would be done by, he goes, I just like fessed up. I said, sorry, like the reason why I haven't done this is honestly a TikTok went viral for us. And we've been like kind of slammed, just like even responding to DMs and it's been crazy. Thankfully, my boss at the time was very nice. Um, and he just honestly laughed. Um but so it definitely was a uh, learning. It was definitely something that wasn't like I wish we had could have predicted that that was going to be the thing, one of the things for us. But it really wasn't. And I think it is proof that to try out a ton of different things. Like I don't think we've I there's a 100 percent chance that we haven't found like that we don't know our entire marketing strategy. And there's a 100 percent chance that our marketing strategy will shift over time. It definitely has not even just that example, it's continued to shift as we test things, et cetera. And I think the most important thing when you're starting a business is being able to be flexible with that. And knowing authentically what your audience wants and then trying everything within it. Like try every single piece because you don't know where you're going to find your humans. Your humans are going to hang out somewhere and you just need to be able to find them. So walk me through your backgrounds. What was life like prior to 4AM Skin? And what was that genesis moment where you're like, okay, no, I'm going in on this? Yeah, I guess I can start with mine. So I've I had really bad hormonal acne when I was a kid and really bad melasma, which is skin darkening. And I got obsessed with dermatology and just healing my skin. I asked my mom when I was like 16, you know, mom, I have these like dark patches on my face. I don't know what to do. And I look horrible. Can I please, please go to a dermatologist and fix this? And I remember it was after I had taken one of her like expensive La Mer type creams to try to heal my face that she was like, no, no, we'll go to a real doctor and you fix this. Stop using my expensive cream. And um, after that, I just got really interested in the science behind skincare and how we heal our skin and what goes into ingredients. I 
uh, was pre-med and undergrad at Georgetown where Jade and I met and I was doing dermatology research. I got into medical school at 19 years old and I went to Georgetown Medical School. I stayed um, and I was a Sweeney scholar there and I had finished about two years of med school. I had just, I had just take, taken my medical boards and I looked at Jade and Jade looked at me and she was like, I'm ready to do it if you are. And we had actually... I missed the whole part of when we started 4AM, but we started 4AM the summer before I entered medical school. Um, and then, yeah, two years of med school. And we looked at each other and said, if now, if not now, when, you know, I med- medicine is a very streamlined path of you go to school, you go to residency, you go to fellowship, and then you start practicing and there's really no time to take off. And this was really the only moment where I thought, okay, if I don't leave to do this now, I'll never do it. I'll just stay on the course. And I'd always been really interested in how can I make my reach the widest to as many people as possible? And how can I heal as many people as possible through skincare? And it really is a brand because when you're in a practice, you can see only so many people at once, right? And so I really wanted to take what I'd been learning in in medical school and in my derm research and try to make that as wide of a net and cast as wide of a net as possible through our skincare and through the research that we put into our products. Yeah. And I think for myself, um, throughout college, I had been kind of a fine, everything I did was in finance. Um, not really even for good reason necessarily. It was literally, I was the head of my finance club in high school. Um, so I kind of just went along for the ride with it. Um, I I think the reason why is I really liked, I thought of it as a way to learn about the world. I wasn't even, I don't think, I actually don't, most people are like, oh, it's all about the money. I actually don't think that was the reason. Um, It was just that I didn't know what else to do. Um, And then, but once I was working at the firm I was working at for a year, um, I, I think what really hit the nail on the head for me was that I didn't hate what I was doing on the day to day, but I knew that there was no end date for this. Like I was like, okay, all the internships was so fine. It's like, okay, I just have to grind for this three months and then it's done. Go go back to school. And so I think that's why I had interned in this in like I interned at the same, I was at JP Morgan. I interned there for two summers before I went. Um, and then once I got to full time, I think literally within two weeks, I knew I had made the wrong decision. And it was, I think the thing that changed it was that there was no end date. Um, and I realized, okay, shoot, this is my life. Um, and, uh, this isn't like a three week long thing to pass through. Um, and then I really went on a soul searching mission in that I knew that I always wanted to start a business, but I actually wasn't getting that experience at the at the place I was at, I was doing a lot of, a lot of people question, oh, when am I ever going to use calc that I learned in co- in college or high school? I was using calc on the daily. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't, I think I also realized I missed like solving more strategic problems, et cetera. So I think I messaged like a ton of people who were my year in college and asked them, hey, and even if things that I didn't, I like knew for a fact I didn't want to do, but I basically asked them, okay, how do you like your job? What does your day-to-day actually look like? And do you hate it as much as I hate my job? Um, and cause I just, I also thought, Hey, maybe this is just, 
when you your first job out of college, you're going to have to grind, honestly, no matter what, like you have to. So I was like, maybe this is just normal and I just need to get over it. Um, and then I talked to a bunch of people and I realized I want to go to something to do with startups, et cetera. And then had a friend who was working at this growth marketing agency or it's like startup, et cetera, that worked to grow tons of different direct to consumer brands. Um, and it was interesting because I heard about kind of her getting to solve problems, but for like, I had also, I thought about startups, but realized, okay, some startups you end up, I talked to a friend who worked at Drizzly, which is that alcohol delivery startup. And I was like, that sounds cool. Um, like you're getting, it's like kind of like, kind of like Uber, a hyped up space type thing, but also an interesting product. Um, and she said, yeah, I've learned a lot, but I've learned a lot about alcohol delivery specifically, like not that I will ever like not to like build a business. And so I really wanted a place where I could see into tons of different businesses, which is where I found my next place, which was Ampush was there for three years. And it was great because I actually did get to, I run, I basically ran paid marketing for tiny, tiny little brands, but that were just finding product market fit all the way to my last project was running paid ads for a publicly traded company um, and running a team who did that. So, and I think somewhere in the middle of that was when Sabrina and I had come together about 4am. And I think why it's become such a great partnership is like, we're, we're like best friends, but we also have totally different skill sets and very different, even perspectives, even on skincare. I, I mean, as as part of our founding story, like I had no idea what to do when it came to skincare. And Sabrina was the one who was asking me, it's always so awkward when I go, yeah, it's always awkward when I'm going to like, people are, I'm like, I say I'm a skincare brand founder and I, I know a lot more about skincare now, but it's definitely like, she does all the most of the research on like, I look and ask and et cetera. But I think it's so important because you, you, especially as like a growing brand, there's so many different things to do. It's not, it doesn't make sense to be doubling up on things and more like the wider of a space that you can cover is, is all honestly best. It's a beautiful mix I find with co-founders when you have a questioner and an answer, like you have the mix and together you have a solution because you found the, the question and you found the answer for it. So it's a beautiful hybrid that then results in balance because you guys also come from two different lenses. Um, so therefore, as you pay forward, you have someone to check your corners and make sure you're good and you're rowing in the right direction, which is always nice. Entrepreneurship can be really lonely. Totally. I remember like one of the first questions I asked Jade was like, what does EBITDA stand for? Like, what does CAC or like LTV stand for? I hear all these things all the time, but like, I don't know what that is. And she was like, it's okay. We'll like have a rundown on all this stuff. Like whenever she's doing the models with the Excel and has her ergonomic keyboard, I'm just like, wow, this is so cool. Couldn't be me, but I'm glad it's you, babe. That mutual respect is there. You guys both have a mutual respect, which I think will take you very far. Um, it's fantastic to see, and I'm excited for you guys. Um, within this process of being in a new landscape, a new industry that you're, you're basically creating a new vertical, describe a difficult moment. Walk me through a difficult moment and how you guys handled it together. I don't know, Jade. What's a, what's a difficult moment that we went through on this? I guess here's here's something that's like kind of, difficult sometimes we've been fundraising for the brand and there are a lot of investors who we massively respect like when i say their resume precedes them they're people that we've dreamed about meeting with 
And sometimes they just don't get it. They don't understand what we're doing with the brand. It's a little too edgy for them, maybe. It's a little too young. It's a vertical that they haven't seen in skincare before, so it's a little bit more risky. But they're people that we were thinking, oh my God, this would be a dream to have on our cap table, right? They would just take the brand to the next level. And I think for us, deciding who is actually a good fit and a good brand partner and saying no to maybe some people who we had thought were the perfect fit, but maybe weren't, has been a difficult landscape that we both kind of tread on. Because at one point, it's like money's money. You want to grow the brand, especially given the economy and where it is right now. But then bringing on partners that really understand your vision and understand support us as founders and are saying, we're going to just be behind you guys 100%. You're the visionaries here because you saw this problem and we won't try to bring in our kind of older boardroom seat ideology to the the business has kind of been something that we've struggled with to think, okay, when we're building the brand and how we're growing it, you know, who are the right people to bring on? And is that a big mistake that someone who has so much experience in the space, we're going to maybe put a pause on to just because we feel like we didn't really necessarily see eye to eye with the brand. Yeah. I don't know if, if Jade you think that that's yeah I think a sufficient answer here if we've had some more difficult moments I think another difficult moment is there's a lot of I think that the thing with entrepreneurship is and why people describe it as having very high highs and very low lows is that when necessarily when you get kind of the things that you thought were gonna be make it or break it moments like I don't know let's say I remember it was really awesome when we got like we ended up as founders getting featured for business insiders like star rising like that was really great um but it's like those sort of moments um are awesome but I think what are even more exciting is like let's say a potential partner comes to you and says okay like I want to carry you in xyz store etc and but all of those things can get you so hyped up And you're like, you kind of like in your head, imagine all these things. Okay. Okay. This will be the thing that changes the game for our business. Um, And I think that one, you get more excited, like more excited. Like I was more excited about like potentially like getting into a specific retailer or whatever than I like. And that was just someone emailing me like, oh, I'm interested. Not a yes than anything that it was like a sure yes, because I think you can do your head because you're thinking about something all the time. You do all this mental gymnastics of like, okay, and if we do that, we can get this and then we can do this and they can do this. So all these like potential things are more exciting than even like, but once you actually do accomplish things that you were like thinking about in your head, you're like, oh, okay, like whatever, on to the whatever's next. But I think the issue or not the issue, just like the fact of life is that your imagination on something that you're always thinking about will always proceed itself. So it makes any time, anytime you get like a little sliver of hope, you really like get super excited about something. And then, but those things can also can run with it. And then you can also, you have to really balance yourself out when things don't necessarily go the way you were. And, and even if it's just something, it can be something so small, like, 
And then once it doesn't happen, and I don't know why we create these ideas in our head from just like one email, you know? You're creative and you're visionaries. And so within that process, our mind goes like a freight train and we end up on another planet that we don't actually have a path to get there. Yeah. But as soon as someone says, I'm interested, you feel like someone has just said yes to your baby. Like Exactly. Yes. Like, um, And then you take it so much further than it could go in that moment. But keep in mind, you are manifesting that moment. You are taking it and whether it's not that opportunity it'll be a different opportunity just around the corner um always believe in it that's something i've learned from the highs and lows the highs and lows are dramatic they happen every day um always celebrate the small wins because those ones are the ones that fill your cup um the big one big wins just overflow it and it's wonderful but then you you feel that low right after um, cause you're like, well, wow, that just happened. How do I get that feeling again? And then the small ones aren't doing it anymore. Um, so it's this beautiful process. Everyone, everyone is right there with you. Um, and then when it comes to VCs and cap raises, always think it in terms of you're interviewing them too. They want you as much as you want them. And if they don't want you enough, then that they're not the right ones for you. And yeah, the money's great. We all have been in that moment being like, but we just need it. We need the runway to be able to run as fast as we can because we have all the ideas. Don't let someone stand in the way of your ideas because that's what differentiates you from any other product on the market. That innovative spirit, they can't replicate. And that's why they're using their capital to invest in you. So make it non-negotiable. Stand up for what you want. Because I've been there. I've been steamrolled. Everyone has. Um, And the last thing you want is someone on your board that you don't identify with or you don't agree with. Because you're you're giving that person power to make decisions on your behalf. Totally. And you don't want that. Completely. So walk me through the VC journey. How has that been? How have you been finding people? Um, What advice do you have for new entrepreneurs going through the same journey? Just walk us through it. I think the number one thing for founders is to find other founders. No, it doesn't even have to be in your space. Like we have a few founders that are in like FM food and beverage and other spaces, but finding founders that are a little bit ahead of you and using them as mentors really when you have a problem or just need advice. Because I, I feel so much in the startup community that founders want to pay it back a hundredfold because they've been in the same position that you've been and there has been someone ahead of them that's done the same thing for them. And finding those types of people and that support within your network or within the broader network, the space you're in, I think is so important because one, it also grounds you to realize, okay, I'm not the only one dealing with these problems. So many founders in the past have dealt with these problems because sometimes even though I have Jade, it's, it does feel that we're in a vacuum sometimes of, oh my God, are we the only ones that are going through all of this? But no, just everyone has and even more sometimes than the things that we've had to go through. And having a, another sounding board of someone that's like a little bit ahead of you to realize, okay, I can make that jump to that next person to where they are. And then finding someone else that might be a little bit ahead of you when you make that jump again. And constantly finding people in your network to just have, I think, is so helpful in terms of the actual business and keeping you sane and keeping it running. And then in terms of VC as well, it seems as if it's a bit of a, I don't want to say a boys club, but that's kind of what it is, where it's like when you're in, you're in, and when you're not in, you're not in. And 
finding other founders and mentors that want to support you. And they'll say, Hey, you know, I have this investor that invested in us, but give this intro and they'll bounce you to someone else. And then they'll bounce you to someone else. When we started seeing success, that's what the, that's kind of what the, um, the process was. Cause at first when we were doing an initial pre-seed raise, which we tried to do and it, it was right before COVID. So we ran into problems there and just stopped the raise altogether. But we were sending out cold emails to a lot of people and they were like, okay, this is interesting, but no thanks for the meeting. And then once we started actually networking, meeting people within our space and, and going that way through more so warm intros, that's when we started to see a lot more traction for the raise. Yeah. And you would be surprised. Even I was surprised. I mean, every single one of our investors who've come in have all been because someone was at a networking dinner and they like sat next to the right person. Maybe if there wasn't the person you met at the dinner, but it was, okay, then they'll introduce you to so-and-so and they'll introduce you to so-and-so. Um, so, and unfortunately that is like the name of the game. Um, so it's a really hard, I think it's been really helpful for us to be in New York because it's, I mean, that's how we've met people. And there is such a great, especially like, CPG, ecom, DTC. I mean, I said throwing acronyms, but when you re- when you think about it, you're like CPG, DTC. <laughs> Once you're a founder, you start you start using CPG, DTC, B2B. Like you you start throwing them out because you've dealt with them all day, every day. All of them. Yeah, but um, like I truly don't think, and we are not expert fundraisers by any means, but I think that um even like the fundraising that we've done has all been because our, like I could not imagine trying to do it from like not New York or San Francisco, I guess. Yeah. There's two, two pockets that you can physically boots on the ground, make an impact. Whereas everyone else has to do it digitally, which is, yeah, which is you're going up against a lot of cold emails in an in- inbox that tend to go to spam. So dealing with that is not yeah. a, not a fun process. And I'm sure like the cold emails, if you email someone enough will work, but we found that the- Find other ways, like go into the DMs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> an investor just find us from TikTok. So there you go. Yeah. All of these things are things that I'm not putting an opinion on of whether I think that it's, this is the correct way of like that. This is the way it should be. It's just how we've experienced it to be. But I think the one number one thing that someone could do now, if I were to start over like all over again, is to like have built a personal brand earlier in the process. Um, Because like TikTok alone, at least for myself, has opened so many doors. Like I can't even put into words. And I think, I mean, part of it, and I think, people get like to get to know you. And I also think one thing that stops a lot of people from maybe putting themselves out there online is feeling like they're not an expert enough at something. But then you realize like, I like you realize that a lot of the people who are talking online, maybe like they don't know what they're saying, but they've practiced so much talking about it online. And this has gotten them to enough rooms, et cetera, to talk to the right people, but that now they, they do know enough and they are an expert. So, um, and really positioning and you're like, I mean, my brand is no, definitely not in a, is in a very positioned way at all. Like it's not something I think about a lot, but I think just putting yourself out there is super valuable. Um, and because there's just no, I mean, there's definitely can be some downsides, but there's the, the upside far outweigh the downsides, at least from my perspective. You can, as long as you show up as authentically yourself, it will 
be like, it'll work out just because it's you. Like you can't, you can't change that. Um, and so sometimes people fall flat on their faces when they're inauthentic, but as long as you're authentically you and your brand is authentically you as well. Um, so there's a beautiful synergy there that it will, it will be a positive space, um, because it's you and you're relying on yourself. So I heard you guys threw a party at a club. Walk us through that. And how was that process? Yeah, we've thrown many. We've thrown multiple parties at multiple clubs. We love to party. Um, I think our f- it's interesting. So, because one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, though, is that um, I think a lot of people now more than ever throw events for brands, et cetera, and it's definitely a marketing activation. But one thing that I that I think we've been super specific about is different events will be for different things, even though they might look. Maybe the invites look the same. Maybe you're not sure, or maybe maybe like the venue could even be the same. But there's like I think of events in like a couple different categories. There's some events that are for press, um, and that event will be at a different time than an event that's for your community, and that and that or for like customers, etc. And that, and sometimes there can be overlap there. Sometimes there's not. And then there's also events that are more for influencers, et cetera. And it's all, all of them have, they can all overlap to some extent, but I think what people, a lot of people say, okay, events didn't work for us or whatever. And I think the reason why they say that is because they didn't have a goal for the event and they didn't know what they were trying to achieve with it, with, um, with what they were doing. Cause a lot of our events, are the goal is to throw, throw a fun party and for people to have a good time. That is actually not every event. Uh, there's a lot of events and a lot of brands will throw events that the goal is to get good content. That's actually not the goal. Like most of our events, there's not that many. Like so many people said, okay, you need to have one Instagrammable moment at the venue, etc. Which we have are hit or miss on on whether we actually do that because... Like, they're, half it, and half. like, yeah, it's half and half. Like some, like we try and throw it together, but that's not generally like, I think of it in not the goal. Yeah. I think of it for things for press. You want it basically as many, as much as the sex of like name brand, like celebrities, influencers to be in attendance and to be photographed there. Um, and for editors, et cetera. And photographed by like BFA or. Yeah. yeah. So that, so that press can get it as quickly afterwards as possible without any like harassing a a photographer to make sure it's edited in time for a party piece to run and also to have the correct editors there and to be friendly with them to like, Hey, do you want to cover this and have an idea of what those editors are writing about? Does this editor do party coverage? Because for us, when we knew, when we launched one of the easiest, the easiest coverage to get and the least swamped is party coverage. And specific, but it's if you can get the right people to go, um, and like there's nothing going on at the same time, so it's an easy piece to get out. And we knew as an emerging brand, we wanted to have stuff that happens when you Google us for stuff to show up. Um, so that was like, and that was like a party we didn't do at midnight at a club. It was at a club, and it looked like it was at night, but it was actually from four to six p.m. On a Thursday. In a basement of a club on a Thursday with all of the party editors from... You had tea time at a club, basically? Correct. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 
And so it looked like it was at night, et cetera. But we knew that if you want editors to come, the best time for them to come, for you to invite them is one, not during fashion week, two, at like at, on a Thursday where they want to be able to get, say, I'm going to leave the office. I'm going to get off work early so I can do work, which is going to this event. So, and that's like the perfect time to invite them rather than don't do it on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday when they want to enjoy their weekend. They're not like, they're already off work. They don't want to, they don't want to do work. Yeah. So like, that's a press event. Then we have other events where we wanted, we were doing it with alcohol sponsors who wanted to see that there was a good turn up and that every, like, uh, that interesting people were there and that we did that. We actually think, I think we did on a, like on a, on a weekend night, but late night, et cetera. So it's like all very different and all for different things. And like, same thing for having a fashion week party. We had a fashion week party last September, um, that we had a great turnout for, and it was really a combination of like, we got really great influencers, et cetera, to come. And I think why is because during fashion week, everyone wants parties to go to and everyone like that's like the flex for a lot of influencers even though we're not even a fashion brand and anyone can basically say you're a fashion week party i think our brand is a little more fashion adjacent than a typical skincare brand but it's really about thinking okay what am i trying to accomplish with this specific event and how do i schedule it make it put the pieces in place for it actually to accomplish that. I was also going to say for like other influencer events that we've done, we just did a partnership with Rumble Boxing where we had a bunch of influencers come to a class there. And that's like an activity or an event where an influencer will say, Oh, I'd love to come. Cause I get a free workout out of it and I get to support 4am out of it and talk about you guys while it's all happening. So really trying to think of creative ways that are fun for both the influencers that are on brand for the brand um, and really having those two pieces fit together is I think how you make events successful. So you press the launch button and then what? Walk me through that first month in that process for you. Oh God, the first month was crazy. I mean, I was still in medical school. Jade was still at her full-time job. So we would be waking up, you know, early doing our own things until let's say four to 5 PM in between maybe trying to take meetings for 4 AM. And then working until 4 a.m. probably on the brand, making sure, you know, content was going out every day on the Instagram. TikToks were going up. Customer service emails were being responded to of, hey, my package was lost. I don't know what UPS did with it. And us having to resend to people and then just making sure that we were also then activating, you know, other things, starting email marketing, text messages. It was just as if a fire hose was just, I flushing our faces and we were trying to drink the water out of it. And it was just go, 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 go. And I don't think either of us had a second to breathe. Our Google calendars were our best friends and did not have a social life until now where we're full time and finally taking a deep breath of trying to see, okay, now that we have you know more time to work on the business, what is it that's actually important? And let's figure out the bigger projects to tackle. But I think it was really just we'd have opportunities come to us and we would even sometimes drop the ball on the opportunities because we were so busy with everything else we were doing and feeling sometimes, oh, like, I wish we were full time. I wish we could do this all the time because there are so many things and so many people that are coming towards the brand that we just don't have the capacity for because it's just the two of us. It was just the two of us. And you know, we just didn't, we just didn't have the time in the day to even figure all this stuff out. And what it was, is we tried to figure out what was 
you know, the coolest thing that came to us or the most important thing that came to us that we felt like would really accelerate the brand and just working on that until it was done, sprinting, 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 launch it, do it, put it out, go into the retailer, send out the PR box. And then, you know, the next week we get another email from someone else, same thing, sprint, 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 sprint. And then over and over and over again until about a month ago when we were just like, it's time, we, we can do this. There is enough traction here that we can make this a full-time thing. And that was yeah, a year and a half of, of just sprinting, sprinting an entire marathon, basically. Um, I think what it really was for, especially at the beginning, I'm excited now that we're full-time to really be able to think about, similar to what Sabrina said, these bigger picture things of, okay, what are, like, so much of the things that we do, as she said, was was inbound. And now we have time to really think critically about the brand and, like, what we want to say and how we want to say it and what's, like, something that can be truly new and interesting for people, for our community to get involved with. That's even doing like a lot more. One thing that we want to do is involve our community a lot more with like our future product development and really get um, their inputs as we build and to build that in public. And I think it's something that we've honestly been scared of doing up until this point because so much of it is like just trying to like ragtag things together. like trying to kind of share that all at the same time is, is, has been difficult. But now that we have more time to do that, I think that's going to be one of the number one things. And it's, it's just like nurturing um, that community versus, okay, let's just make sure all the orders go out um, and everyone's customer service emails are answered and that like we can, we post semi-consistently on our Instagram page. Um, let's actually think about some cool video series or some like new pieces of content that we can actually that we actually think are differentiated and speak a lot more about our okay well let's leave the audience with one one liners about 4am skin both of you tell us one reason why someone needs to adopt 4am skin into their life i was gonna say if you're sick and tired of feeling that you need to change yourself for your skincare or wellness routine don't i mean we have created something that fits within your lifestyle that works for you without you having to do any of the heavy lifting and why should you be shamed for wanting to take care of yourself that in the easiest way possible yeah if you just want effective simple skincare that looks beautiful on your vanity try it for him and if you ever want to party sign up for our text list we do send out invites through our text list. So our community is kind of housed through there. Just on our website, if you, it's the same welcome offer to get 10% off. Also, put, you can put in your phone number there. And then we actually, we actually also, one of the fun things that we do is we don't just send invites to our events. We have so many inbounds of like cool things happening, like in Miami and LA that we'll actually invite like our text list to other events and he, kind of you get to hear about cool things happening. Um, and that's really part of our ethos as well. Thank you, ladies. i um, excited to watch you grow. Thank you. Thanks for having us.